4: and there will be no encore welcome to episode 124 of the no encore music podcast and i start this show with breaking news liam gallagher has taken to twitter and he has said earth to Noel, listen up our kid i hear you're doing gigs where people can't drink alcohol now that's the bizarrest thing you've done yet i forgive you now let's get the big o back together and stop fucking about the drinks are on me what lg X. Oh! As that you was were, a, Oasis Reunion!
2: That was a massive flip there in the middle. I was just like, why are we reading this update? And yeah, Noel's still not going to do it.
4: Trust in your host, <laughs> Craig Fitzpatrick.
2: Hello, how are you? Trust in
4: um, the Oasis Reunion,
2: Colm Morrigan? I do. I'm up for it. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> not it won't yet, happen. It won't yet. happen. Too I don't soon. think I'll ever be up for it, but it won't happen for another Ten years. It'll happen definitely maybe anniversary hey. six years' time. There you go. That's okay. my prediction. Mr. Well, Craig.
4: What it, maybe Radio Nova will rebrand to Dad Rock now that it's kind of gotten a bit more
2: Not pop as well it's
4: gotten quite mainstream hasn't it yeah, yeah, yeah
2: they're trying to just finagle their way into 98 territory well
4: shout out to a friend of the show Kieran McGinnis from Dallarentos who has a new show on Nova every Sunday oh does he <laughs> yeah. well at least he'll play rock and roll uh, it's called Nova guest list oh, okay and he are we on it had me go- well, see, this thing? he had me going he told me that it was called Nova Encore <laughs> and he sent me a doctored email
2: and I was kind of like that prankster oh.
4: that's both flattering and troubling yeah. what do I do with this but yeah it was was all one big prank so there you go Uh,
2: how long were you buying it for
4: Uh, 45-50 seconds (laughs) and
2: how were those 45-50 seconds harrowing
4: (laughs) (laughs) but I feel better now because the boys are back in town we are indeed Coleman Reagan's wow. back after two weeks. I've just basically fucking, Doing around. fucking
2: nothing. <laughs> Close enough,
1: yeah. I, I did fucking nothing in a lot of different places. You missed though. the Drake yeah. album.
4: You missed the Death Heaven album.
1: It was unbelievable timing, you'd Tactical. have to say. I
2: think, yeah, the, yeah fucking hell. Incredible. Jesus, two monoliths week, of.
4: This week we have no album. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. we
2: have a Corkman back in studio. With a listening Ew.
4: guide in tow, Colm has fought hard to have another week without reviewing an album because he just doesn't want <laughs> to listen to modern music. He wants to listen to the work of Paul Simon, yeah, who he went to see last week, friend of ours.
2: <laughs> we'll get there.
4: We'll get there later in the show. shall. Yeah. Ten Paul Simon tracks that Cullen believes can convert anyone, and I will find out if that's true. Oh. In the meantime, guys, uh, World Cup is over. Yeah, five I'm weeks upset. of glorious I'm football.
2: Upset.
1: Four more years
2: to wait. Was it the best ever that we have witnessed in our living memory? Mm, define. Might have been. What, what are the the most entertaining, not the best in terms of quality. I think it's the most entertaining yeah, I've, I've quite, seen. Quite
1: possibly. Certainly there was a lot more surprises than normal. Unfortunately, that does mean also that we didn't get perhaps the best players, especially, yeah, involved in the latter stages. But yeah, no, no, no. I thought it was great.
4: I think if it was booked like professional wrestling, they did a really good job. Or written like the series of a TV show. But uh, 94 and 98 will always have very special memories for me. Yeah. Uh, 94 being my first you never forget your first you never forget sure. your first. yeah me too but. Uh, 98 being like just kind of like this summer of football and it was really really yeah. cool and the Bergkamp so they said goal.
2: last week Vindaloo was out didn't it? it was all happening oh, <laughs> the whole all... punk thing was kicking off
4: <laughs> it was very enjoyable some the World Cup and we'll return to that in the news in a moment or two but first of all uh, a big non-musical moment but worth mentioning I think uh, Christopher Nolan uh, action adventure film The Dark Knight Turned 10 years of age this week. That's Um, terrifying. It is pretty scary. And I would like to take this opportunity to remind everyone that it is, in fact, a three out of five Oh, oh here we go. That's right. And that's why I don't host a film podcast, but I'm <laughs> not <laughs> wrong. It's four.
2: Yeah, because your musical
4: verdicts are always
2: <laughs> on point. I'll have you know. What, what are your major problems with it, just very briefly? It's so long.
4: It's totally overwritten. The dialogue is terrible. Um, what else? The dialogue's all right. Um, it's, bit, it's
2: fine for that genre. Like. It's
4: kind of stupid, really. Uh, it I doesn't th- make sense. At the end of the film, uh, the, the oft-quoted line, Spoiler alert! Uh, five dead, two of them cops? Who are you talking about, Gary Oldman? Lots of people died in this film. What are you talking about? And Jonathan Nolan was asked that in like a web chat once, and he was like, oh, I'll explain that someday. But he's too busy making the dreadful Westworld TV
2: show. So That's not dreadful.
4: It's fucking garbage, mate.
2: Three out of five. Heath <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Ledger stars. was
4: great. Aaron Eckhart was great. It's all right. It's watchable fluff, I guess. When that's you're stacked good, up next it's better. To, wa- it's more than watchable. When stacked up next to Dark Knight Rises, it's a lot better. Well, yeah, that's a bad movie. Yeah, but uh, Batman Begins is the best one.
2: Um, I probably agree with you. Yeah, Begins. Is the best, yes. Okay. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I've, I've done the calculating in my head. Yes, you're right. Into the, numbers.
4: into the music news this week and back to Russia on Sunday for the World Cup final which France triumphed over Croatia 4-2 in a bit of a fun indoor football kickabout. <laughs> uh, the referee did his, did his level best to make sure that Croatia were not winning that trophy. Mm-hmm. What yeah. a fucking
2: asshole that was. Really was, was yeah. <sighs>
4: what can you do although
2: going back to the fucking
4: Pogba though mate
2: he was great Pogba goal the best as my friend and
4: Joe Rudy Kinsler said injected into my veins
2: the the best was (laughs) Dunphy afterwards being like Sooness I didn't see Sooness was he
4: oh my god you've never seen a man like grit his entire body like did he say
2: anything nice
4: no he was like oh I mean like he should have scored that first shot, maybe. Like, he can't.
2: Oh, Duffy went the complete Ops away. He's become a In the last 90 minutes, he became a world-class player. Yeah. Was like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, he's, he will never be the same person again.
4: He dabbed with the World Cup, yes. which was... He dabbed
1: with everybody and everything. He dabbed with Macron. He dabbed with his
4: team. <laughs> what a lovely
2: pronunciation. He dabbed with
4: <laughs> constant <laughs> Insta stories from the pitch. I'll tell you one thing, and um, one group that he did not dab with... Pussy riot. Although,
1: did you see? Killian Mbappe high
4: gave five. him a high five yeah
1: he's the coolest 19
4: year old ever. every like, he's uh, in his own world he's, he's young just... he's like, he doesn't know any better he doesn't know what a dreadful band Pussy Riot are yeah it's true one of the worst bands I would say that ever. Uh, that probably shouldn't
2: be your biggest takeaway from Pussy Riot though no but
4: see this is my problem with Pussy Riot right I mean like they I interrupted the World Cup final that, that's my that's biggest upsetting. problem with Pussy Riot uh, well the reason I'm talking about them is because all four protesters from the band rushed to the field during the World Cup final in Moscow and they've been sentenced to, fi- sentenced to 15 days in Russian jail not enough if you asked me um, No, in <laughs> fairness right they claim responsibility for doing this and said it was Freaking a protest Dave over let here. me explain <laughs> they said it was a protest of Russia's political and prison systems mm-hmm. uh, they elicited demands to the Russian government which included free political prisoners end illegal arrests of protests and allow political competition in the country I agree with all of those things absolutely, absolutely. however bravo sir <laughs> however they're a band they have chosen to uh, protest through song, which I once overheard someone say in a coffee shop and I wanted to, to defenestrate myself. As regards Pussy Riot, much like the Sex Pistols, you can come at me all you fucking want, mate, with your... It's punk. It doesn't need to sound good. I'm sorry. No, if you're going to purport to be a musical entity, yeah. Pussy Riot are trash. Well, I think, to be fair, I think they... Absolute garbage. I think they
1: usually refer to themselves as kind of like an art collector. Yeah, they are much, more of
2: an art. Like, excuse my naivete, but... <laughs> Do they, are they one of these kind of collectives with huge, so like like I, I'm really bad at identifying these names I, I mean were any of these people we would recognise yeah probably?
4: yeah there was, I think there was a couple of them that may, may have been subjected to uh, Brendan O'Connor Connor. Brendan O'Connor's oh, uh, okay. famous was that <laughs> one of interview? On oh R- that TV. was Al-
2: Al- Olga and Petya, was it I, think. I believe they're the two maybe and possibly they had, a, they had, had an interpreter. and to be fair Rich like, Olga who knows they came across they across very well they did yeah and
4: they're not bad people they're just a bad band they're good people they're bad at music I'm sorry and like again I mean I'm sure people are listening being like no Dave you're completely missing the point I don't think I am I understand the point and I agree with the points, but like, I'm sorry, it's like a fucking embarrassing flash mob by a bunch of five year olds. Nah, and I think also it's a bit more. sorry, that. but uh, interrupting the sanctity of the World Cup final. But don't mess with the World Cup. I like. did
2: get very like. It wasn't I'm, in I'm Russia, guys. It was right in on. FIFA
4: land because for five weeks, Russia was <laughs> turned into FIFA.
2: Yeah, I was surprised the they were like tried in, you know, in front of the uh, FIFA court, the infamous FIFA court that travels the world, sure. just <laughs> arresting people for nothing. Just Gianni, uh, and Gianni
1: just, Infantino just yeah. judging people for wearing inappropriate
4: socks do you know or drinking on yeah. authorised yeah, sports drinks. mainly sponsor-related. Do you, do you know what country he's from? <laughs> Infantino? Yeah. Italy? Italy. No. Really? I thought so too. I right. guess we're all a bunch of racists. Oh, <laughs> he's Swiss. Oh, okay. Apparently. Makes sense. Unless right. I read it that does wrong. does make sense, yeah. Last last he said it was the best World Cup ever. But he sure would say well, that, right? wouldn't he? He said yeah. the oh, first
2: yeah. World Cup he was in charge of was the best World Cup ever. Surely not. Shocking.
4: Dejan also said that he was one of the best defenders in the world. Look how that went for him in the final. <laughs> not great. Poor old Dejan. Poor, poor old Dejan. But um, yeah, look, I hope Pussy Riot get treated fairly in Russia. It probably won't happen. Uh, well, to be perfect. I, uh, like, no, listen,
2: but fo- football saved everything. It's fine now. I- <laughs> Russia's fine. <laughs> I-, I was
0: talking about it at the time.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Like, afterwards, I was saying, like, you know what, they have an international reputation and so on and so forth, so I think people were very closely monitoring, you know, what their jail sentences would be and blah, 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 and how they were treated. Yeah, If they were just for randoms, I reckon they would have fallen up and down every step in the Luzhniki Stadium on the way out. <laughs> oh, Genuinely, I'd say there would have been, as, as George Hamilton said, whatever happens to them, I don't think it's going to be a pleasant evening.
2: I wonder, was was Ali McCoy doing like co-commentary on the ITV coverage? Because he would have gone into Given a real deep dive and, of yeah. like the background. Could have been Pussy a lot worse. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: if it was 55
4: years ago. I'll tell you what. Yeah. What a man. <laughs> Psychopedic <laughs> yeah, yeah. knowledge. Man, back, back, back when, back when Stalin Russia. was in
1: charge, this wouldn't have happened. Ali McCoy's
4: yeah. favourite. Uh, <laughs> historical crush, Joseph Stalin. Yeah, did uh, do we all see the the presentation ceremony was a bit of a farce <laughs> Oh, when okay, just started, just uh, she was walked in front of it as it was being raised, it kind of lent
2: well. some iconic and, uh, thing to there it. There was one international
4: no. superstar present as well, who uh, hailed one of the great leaders of our time, following Conor McGregor's VIP invitation to. Yeah. Russia he was at Longitude the day before, <laughs> and then he was at the work of vinyl.
1: No, what more, lads? You know, he <laughs> was downstairs here. He was in Westland Studios doing pad work with Quavo.
2: Oh my god i would worked with Quavo Migos stop- <laughs> <episode title.
1: laughs> Migos stopped by Westland Studios Over the weekend And uh, downstairs In this very building Do you know who else Was here Craig apparently? Who? who Solange <gasps> What apparently. I know Apparently yeah, and Tyler, the creator. These are unconfirmed. We, but, like, I've seen the photos of Migos downstairs. I know they were here. And, yeah, what's more, Conor McGregor stopped by to, to hit some pads before jetting off to Russia. So. None of us went along at you what because a life.
4: we're very old for that festival. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. The aforementioned Rudy Kinsley, who I work with, is 21 years of age, and he felt too old at the festival. Uh-oh. He also sounds like a shadow of his former self this week at the Joe desk, which is quite People at
2: that age aren't allowed to feel too old for Three anything. Free upsetting, isn't it? Vanilla uh, you know,
4: Jones! Friend of the show said it as well, saying I'm too old for this festival now, and I'm like, you're twenty fucking I know, two. Yeah. I know. Like, let it go. It's rough, but I didn't go. Uh, I heard it was really fun though. Apart from all the things that you would expect to hear, it usually is. To be fair, kids being kids. Yeah, I have no judgment, exactly. but I just kind of feel like you know, it's a good lineup as well this year. So yeah, great lineup. Like this yeah. is the uh, our Sonic Architect Eve went to the Sunday and said Anderson Pack was awesome, Samfo was awesome, also. As you
1: guys know, I'm not a huge social media person, but was Post Malone just literally stood at the gate taking a photo with everybody that walked in? Not
4: only that, he did a trad session in Temple Bar.
1: I saw so many people with photos of Post Malone that it was just like, are they all actually him or does he have just 10 lookalikes wandering a field?
2: I assume Post is like bigging up his Irish heritage, is that a thing? I'm guessing. I don't he looks know, a bit Irish. He looked, like, he
1: looked like he was about to fall asleep in all the photos. So he know. had
4: a pretty funny thing on Twitter this week. I think it was that the guys from that Queer Eye show, the Netflix mm-hmm. show. Um, I guess people are—they were like, "Oh, we've just started filming series three, or it's coming soon, or whatever." And like a lot of the comments were like, "Get Post Malone on, get Post Malone on." And one of the guys kind of quotes someone and went, why is everyone always asking to get Post Malone on the show? And Post Malone replied and went, it's because they think I look terrible and I smell funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, Aww. love the show. Keep up the good work, lads. <laughs> so Post oh, Malone probably Post coming Malone. to Queer Eye. Uh, I'd watch that.
2: I'd definitely watch that, yeah.
4: Anyway... Moving on, uh, in the running order of the show, we will now take a, a turn for more serious matters into Mental Health Corner, which I guess has become a bit of a, th- a staple in Hawankor because real people with real problems and real stories. Uh, Brian Harvey of E17 fame. Now, I think, unfortunately, has become a bit of a figure of fun in the tabloids over the years. And I feel like if this story was written even five, ten years ago, it would be a lot more harsh than it is. Yeah. At the same time, it does contain words like rant and bizarre, which I'm not crazy about. But, Craig, what am I talking about?
2: Uh, Yeah, so he's appeared in a kind of YouTube video where he's talking um, about a shadowy group that has been plotting against him, apparently uh, forcing him to stay indoors. Apparently he hasn't left the house in a long time. He says, I've been a prisoner in my own home for about five years. Uh, Just seems incredibly paranoid. He's going through a lot of stuff. And, yeah, I get, like, it was an 18-minute-long video. Um, Bizarre is what it was called here. But he was, yeah, clearly agitated. Um, He announced he would launch private criminal prosecution against his unnamed foes, uh, which he hopes uh, to finance through a GoFundMe page. Um, And he also said that he has clones um, that are going to go to war for him. Um, So, yeah, he's really not in a good headspace. Um, And, yeah, like, he has been that kind of figure of fun for... A time i guess mainly based off that story of him running himself over which initially sounds like quite a funny thing because what was it he ate too many baked potatoes or something yeah, yeah. and was throwing up and then Fell out of his car and it rolled over him.
4: Yeah, and then there was, you know, there's obviously the takeaway from that is, well, was this intentional? I mean, like again, who knows? But for whatever reason, that was and often still is cited as a a bit of a fun jape. <laughs> it's like yeah, really it's not. Like, no, that's and not a good thing. Not only that, but I mean, like we don't laugh about we don't laugh at Anton Yelchin, no. who died in horrific but no less you know strange circumstances when his car rolled down his driveway and pinned him to a fucking wall, mm-hmm. killed him at the age of 27 or whatever it was. So, like, that's the thing. I mean, you want to try and find the humanity here. And just because, what, the guy wore a fucking funny hat and he's 17, I guess. like he's It's like, like ha, jokes.
0: But again, this was
4: written by, like, the star. And by their standards, it was kind of tame.
2: Yeah, and, like, when he was getting this kind of coverage, I mean, that story uh, about him being run over was back in 2005. And, as you say, a very different atmosphere and a very different tone taken towards these kind of stories. And people were just... A lot more ignorant. Not that they're not quite ignorant now, but well, maybe yeah,
4: maybe we're yeah maybe we're less ignorant in Europe. Someone who thinks that we're more ignorant in America, and why would you think that? <laughs> uh, is Francis Bean Cobain, who was in Ireland this week in Kildare of all places, Cullen? Why was that? Uh, it was the opening of a Kurt Cobain exhibition at uh,
1: the Museum of Style Icons in Newbridge Silverware. I have to pause here for a second. And yeah, note, with the what sentence is that? No, no, no. Do you know what I said this sentence before?
4: At a live show.
1: Yes, that's right. This is the second Kurt Cobain exhibition at the Newbridge Silverware Museum of Style Icons. this isn't the same one? No, no. This is a different one. This is the second one in the past nine months. Like, soon Newbridge is going to be a pilgrimage for Nirvana fans. They're going to be graffitiing the Whitewater Shopping Centre like they do that park bench in Seattle. Uh, Anyway, yeah, she was there um, at a... museum exhibition that's been curated by um, Cobain's mother and sister. And she's kind of commented that it's actually quite interesting, I suppose, for a lot of Nirvana fans because it shows a very different side to Cobain than Courtney Love would have known, indeed that Frances herself would have seen or would have been around. Um, But she has said, yeah, that In America, mental health and addiction struggles are particularly taboo and uh, says that in Europe it is a little less so, but in America it is very, very frowned upon
4: kind of surprised me I mean it I, really surprised me I would have me, thought yeah. that we were all moving towards this kind of social progressive thing now granted there's obviously a lot of opposition to that in general but still I thought I thought it was a generational but thing but what's more as well I thought that I think it is a generational thing well mm. there's no doubt about that but as well I always figured the United
1: States is where like you know people's cats have therapists
2: like, yeah they, uh, I, well, yeah I You watch too
1: many American
4: TV shows You pussy Like like that kind of thing like, no, 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 no But as in but like, even like No, but, like, no but, like, like,
1: but as in like Going to see the shrink Is so normal in the mm, States
2: uh, They seem like a people That are more Generally forthcoming About their own Personal feelings and stuff And they're maybe Slightly more expressive I mean this is Very generalized Because of course The US is Very different Depending on hey, which coast you're on Whereabouts you are And like yeah um, And Europe perhaps, again Perhaps
1: as well What tax bracket <laughs> you're in Oh yeah from, Very much so Yeah
2: Um, And Europe, I mean, you know, is, you know, France the same as Ireland? Probably not. So these are kind of interesting. But it says a lot about, I guess, her experiences. It must be crazy being (laughs) the child of Kurt Cobain and having to deal with that. Like, it's just, can you imagine? Because, like, what a fan base of just, like, the intense love people have for this guy that's, like, passed away and you're, like... Oh, I don't know. That that must be a really, really tough thing to live at. Well,
4: she's going to try and follow in his footsteps by getting into music properly. Yeah. Friend of the show, Nadine Regan, was down at this exhibition and, I guess, news conference or kind of talk, I suppose, and spoke to Francis Bean Cobain for the Sunday Business Post, had an exclusive story that Francis Bean Cobain has in fact signed a two-album deal with Columbia Records, and the first of those albums is on the way quite soon. No idea what to expect. No. No, not at all. Oh, okay. do. But uh, quite the legacy to try and, you know yeah. yeah, no pressure now Yeah, even her mam knew the way around a tune or two, so. Maybe uh, she'll do something kind of outlandish for the release <laughs> uh, see, see what you've done here, Dave? I have Looking down at my notes There's a certain musical sting <laughs> that we should probably play Oh, go on Right about now
1: Attention everyone One, one Shut up
4: Craig on Kanye
2: Yes, The Wyoming Project. Five albums, seven tracks each, except for one that had eight and apparently is going to be (laughs) re-released at some point and Tiana's very annoyed about it. But anyway, they all had (laughs) their listening parties in Wyoming, of course. Um, Kanye West's run of production. And, of course, he made, like, it was a very... (laughs) a shockingly unorthodox um, album kind of roll out every time um, not much in the way publicity bar him being on Twitter and saying various things and these huge gatherings in Wyoming where he was kind of holed up where he, he invited lo- lots of rappers lots of different stars uh, like the Chris Rock were there um, all that kind of community of yay heads including Jonah Hill um, who was on Jimmy Kimmel and was opening up about how he was in a 7 a.m. meeting uh, discussing some film. And he got like a text going, hey, are you coming to Wyoming <laughs> to listen to the Kanye's new album? And his boss was like, you should probably go. <laughs> so he did. He went. And he just got on like a private plane with two chains. He had a great time. He had a great time. Of He's course he had a Kanye ha- fan. He's a humongous Kanye fan, Yeah. yeah.
1: Was he wearing his Robert Downey Jr. glasses that he wore on Kimmel, though? Because he God, was, he was starting to look weird. He's yeah, not he's into his
2: glasses no? Yeah. Huh? Not into the glasses no? No. What about all his Absolutely tattoos? Not. Nope. Do you, are, do, you are, do you fear he's got some of the trappings of fame? A oh, little bit.
4: Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, he said that the experience was particularly great. He thinks the album's awesome uh however he got, he ran a fail of a family member after going to this and being so pro kanye his sister gave him shift for a week because kanye wore a maga hat and you know Jonah Hill kind of brushed this off and said to me it would feel like a bad Andy Kaufman swinging and a miss I don't bail mm. on people right away people fuck up and do stupid things you shouldn't bail on everybody right away and this guy's given me so much he's my guy here 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 fucking here Jonah Hill <laughs> that's Hill's a nice sentiment in general sense. though isn't it this thing
1: it's, of it's, just like cancelling everyone. everyone it should yeah. be pointed out that immediately before that though he was like I didn't realise it was controversial to go support Kanye and it's like hang on <laughs> you're telling me you're a Kanye West fan and this whole thing passed you maybe by those, maybe it's those prefer- glasses aren't prescription he just doesn't know <laughs> <either. Yeah. laughs> I don't know what's going on. To be page fair, when I saw this, I when tink. I
4: saw Jonah Hill talks candy on Kimball, I was like, This is gonna be fucking garbage. But if you actually watch the clip, he's quite charming.
2: Yeah, he, yeah, I was impressed. He's a, uh, he's a massive um Howard Stern fan as well, so we've a lot in common. Always goes down well with you. Yeah, Are yeah. you still
4: listening to Howard Stern?
2: No, I haven't listened to him about a year, but I still love the guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just hidden depths, you know. <laughs>
4: But yeah, worth checking out. Check out Jonah you Hill what do. and what he has to say about rap music. Yes. Uh, or if you would like to do a different activity, one that I assume Colin Regan is, is already trying to source online. Drinking. You can dr- <laughs> you can drown your sorrows with the Nationals official beer. Yeah. Uh, they've teamed up with the
1: Danish microbrewery to create reality-based pills. Um, it's taken from uh, a quote from Karl Rove, George Bush's, or George W. Bush, as I say, uh, his former advisor. And it's the excerpt that's used during Walk It Back uh, from their most recent album. Uh, the quote
4: is Karl Rove saying that reality-based community is not the way the world really works anymore. Boy, yeah. boy, was he in for a wake-up call 14 years later. I know,
1: yeah, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so they've, they've named it after that. Um, it is, as the name would suggest, uh, a light pilsner,
4: because Aaron Desner says that we like clear and crisp
1: beers when we come off stage and need to
4: cool down. Whereas uh, Matt Berninger will take a, uh, a full, bottle of <laughs> full bottle of wine during the set. Now, uh, Cullen, this is a Danish microbrewery. Yes, uh, can you please, in your best Scandinavian tongue, tell us the name of the CEO? Oh, I didn't have a look at that now.
1: Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> Just go Elf for CEO, it. CEO, uh, Mikkelborg Bjergso? That's
4: pretty I good. Think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i it. This is the pronunciation episode. Yeah. So. And, anyway, by the way, I just I
1: had a look last night because, you know, these are the sort of things where I'm just like, I wonder who else has done this. And it turns out everybody. I assume every, Kiss are in there, band. Really? Oh, yeah. But like, no, every band. Yeah. Dave, the Cortiners had their oh, own geez. beer for the 10th anniversary of, <laughs> I don't know, one of their albums. Uh, like, you know, they probably only sold the beer in Manchester anyway. It's like the Rifles. Can you remember the rifles of, I like, the name, Soccer yeah. AM guests in 2003 fame? <laughs> they had their own beer. Every band you can think of has brewed their own beer at some stage. And it seems like the only one that had been really successful is Iron Maiden, because they teamed up with, like... It's, it's called Trooper, is it? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, they teamed up with Robinson's, which is, like, a massive pub chain in, in the UK. It's pretty much like Weatherspoons. Yeah. And so they not only made their own beer, but had it sold in about 500 pubs from day one and uh yeah it's the only one that's really I, get,
2: I guess for most of these bands it's not too like expensive or you know, oh, not, do you
1: think they charge them come on
2: no no do you know what i mean uh, like it's it's not a huge commitment even for a brewery to be like oh ah, yeah we'll just stick an old label on this and yeah. it might get a tiny bump in publicity exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, like chris Kamara has one. Oh god <laughs> yeah. is it called unbelievable it's what is it called it's, it's called some, jeff some play yeah some play on that should yeah. we do should. one Unbearable. It's actually that's what it's actually called. It's unbearable. Oh, now you oh, mention it. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
4: Yes, we limited should run do for the World beer, Cup. but not right now. And no encore beer. What would it? What, what would it taste like?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Regret, Reg-
4: sorrow, Jesus sorrow, right.
1: can <laughs> you remorse. Ba- can you bottle ennui? Like yeah,
4: yeah. We'll, we'll it's try. It's Quite malty as well. Yeah. It's quite <laughs> hoppy. Remember that guy in that bar recently, and I was like, "Hey, what's that red ale like?" And he's like, "It's pretty hoppy. And I was like, "Okay." And then I'll, I'll sure I'll, I'll I'll give it a go. Why not? And then I drank it. And he was like pretty hoppy, don't you think? And I was like, yeah. And then I went to like get another one. He goes, do you like it? It's pretty hoppy. And I was like, can I just get? It another he's beer? really
1: pushing the hoppy into serious. I don't know what that means.
4: <laughs> like the pursuit of hoppiness. Oh, oh nah. fucking hell. Okay, right. fine. Let's move on. To <laughs> uh, shall we start with the review? You went to see. Oh, yeah. um Up and coming uh, <laughs> young musician cutting his teeth. Uh, yes. With an outdoor show at the audience? Yep. Uh, did, right? Paul Simon. Yes, I did. Uh, uh, last Friday night. Before you talk about the gig, did I tell you that I went to the press conference for that? Yeah,
1: you did. Yeah, I remember that. It was you, fucking hilarious. I was talking to you at the time because we were like, who's it going to be? What's it going to be?
4: <laughs> we said to a mystery press conference yeah. at, like, on like, a Monday morning and like, I wasn't supposed to work that day. And my editor was like, we think it's going to be the Rolling Stones. Yeah. We really want to have someone from Joe at it. Can you do this? I'll give you like you know, a split shift. And I was like, fine, okay, cool. And I went and I got there and we're all kind of crowding around. And it's a who's who of random entertainment journalists in Dublin that I don't know. But I know <laughs> I suppose. Electric Ken. And- Electric Ken was there <laughs> yeah, and a few others. And Peter Aiken walks in and walks up and like matter of factly just starts talking about Paul Simon. And I was like, that's a strange introduction for the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Speaking of, where are they? And he basically just, like, did this kind of weird, like... Paul Simon played the RDS back in, like, 1975, and it was a hell of a gig, one of my favorite i I've ever been to. And uh, it's an incredibly incredible privilege, and I'm delighted to announce that the second-last stop on his, like, last-ever tour before he retires yeah. will, in fact, be at this famous venue. Blah, 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 blah. And he just goes, that's it. That's the announcement. What? As the sound of a lot of uh, video cameras unclicking mm. was made. So... I mean, an, aus- an auspicious start for Paul Simon. It was
1: it was a quite an odd decision to make that announcement uh, in such a dramatic way, considering yeah. that he'd like played Three Arena a year ago. Um, the other thing is as well when they have those press conferences that they, they always say like you know photo opportunities, and you're like of whom? because <laughs> like,
4: he wasn't there. The program of Paul
1: Simon. Yeah. Did we just have a chance to take photos of stuff? Room, yeah, like. what were they suggesting I, of Peter Aiken, I'm not sure. I really don't know. The the tea and
4: biscuits that they yeah. put out. Yeah. Anyway,
1: what, whatever they did in terms of promotion, it worked because it was very very busy last week. Maybe it was just that people
2: turned up. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. As in, like, for as I say, for a guy who played three arena, and as far as I recall, did not sell it out a year ago. This it, was significant. Is it the fact he's made that announcement that like he's calling say, it I a day? It, I think yeah. it is just the, the the farewell tour sort of a thing. Um, and even then, though, like he's kind of he said, "Oh no, like I mean, I'm done with touring. I'll still play." And you're like <laughs>
2: gigs right, in so sequence <laughs> around the world. And <laughs> these are different sizes.
1: Well, you see, no, but this is this is the thing. You see, like he is. Like, genuinely... A trickster, by the He's a trickster. Yeah. Well, there, there's a bit of that, yeah. But no, but he's also so uh, prone to doing, like, say, like, a month-long residency somewhere or, obviously, like, reunion and collaboration gigs. He toured with, like, Sting for a full tour there Jeez. a few years ago. They yeah. did a collaborative uh, he, uh, thing. He hasn't
2: even hit the road to Chaggy yet. he, he, oh, obvious, yeah, he obviously
1: like do stuff with Artie before he finishes this run, and who knows if we'll see something else there. Or, uh, or
4: Coolio, who announced gig gig in Rathmines today. Oh, oh pff,
1: yeah. Coolio played a Leaving Cert disco. What's the venue? The Berry. Um, oh, the, the the night the uh, The year that I did my Leaving Cert, Coolio played a disco afterwards. Cool. No, I didn't. I was. I think I was away. I hope I was away. because <laughs> that what you no, told Coolio? There's no, <laughs> otherwise, there's no excuse exactly. Yeah. Can't make it,
4: Coolio. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, mate. So, okay. Um, you are a fan. I am. But like, I didn't know you were going to. The, it was a last-minute decision for you. Wasn't it was it? a
1: little bit. Well, that's because I had all my in-laws over. So our in-laws to be, should I say? So I just didn't really know if buying a load of tickets to Paul Simon and springing it on them would actually go down well.
2: Oh, everyone's going to love that! Come on, exactly. Yeah,
1: when I floated the idea, it you know wouldn't? art garfunkel
2: yeah
1: <laughs> very true well i floated the idea anyway the Hansons were were very pleased so um yeah i i went with uh my future father-in-law my future mother-in-law and her Aww. sister
4: and yeah left my
2: fiance at home she's not a big paul simon fan now no. so he's 76
4: no, years yep. of age how does he present himself on stage
2: uh, well, like... Probably much the same as he did when he was 36. Yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd it, imagine it, knowing it, it's him. It's quite true. So, all that touring with Sting. <laughs> yeah. Also,
1: he's so small. Like, yeah. the man is tiny. Put him in your pocket. Um, <laughs> but, like, like, like he's he's still sprightly. He was dancing away. Um What? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And also he he does, like, you know, the real thing, like you see Springsteen doing it as well, although except because he is a guitar, he has to just like wave the neck all the time. But like he conducts everybody around him. You can actually see with his fingers, he's kind of like telling people to start playing and stop. Oh, so he's, he's a regular
4: David Tapley is what you're saying, yeah? Uh, sure, that's the that's the, the um, description that most people would use. You say he's a very small man, very diminutive soul. Mm-hmm. What about the poor souls who found themselves in a standing area a la Ed Sheeran, which was a combination of a sound desk and a merch stand and I saw photographs on Twitter and I must say didn't look great from their vantage point point. No, but- and I saw the odd older f- person and I was like oh that just sucks for them yeah, like, but this it- is upsetting it- but like it's just a sound desk, right? But I think they're, they were locked into this area, weren't they? It was like I think it was a seated area. Well, no, too. Just a f- yeah, there's a
1: seated at the front, and then like there was just standing. But it's on smack the whole bang pitch. in the middle of the fucking but thing. Then you have to move, like. But what I'm saying is, like, there's always been sound desks at outdoor, <laughs> and there always this- will. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> as long as there are
4: live concert yeah. experiences, this is how
2: it works. I think it was merely the fact. as fa- long as I'm drawing breath, I will make sure <laughs> <laughs> our sound desk. Well, it's true. The whole thing will fall apart if there isn't, Craig. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. you don't mind me pointing. Crucial. Out.
4: We need order in society <laughs> and sound desks. Yeah,
2: but hold on—the opening act was James Taylor, was it? Yeah. Wow, that's a bit of a twofer. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like the crowd was pretty
1: sedate for James Taylor. I <laughs> no suppose. way. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> just not that, taking her medication. Not that he was going to rock the not, not that he was going to rock we're the, right the sun. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, sun today. Yeah, not that he was ever going to rock the gaff out anyway. But you know, we have been a bit ages. People here, were there I'm for sure. Paul Simon as well, so
4: yeah i'm sorry yeah, i'd yeah, like to apologize like, uh, no 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 we'll leave it in but like we'll say that we're we're we're, we're being ages because like we've just we're all in our 30s now and therefore we're yeah just, you know, yeah hurtling towards we're, that we're that scared was, it's self-deprecating more yeah than we're right there already we're afraid i love all this i wish it was be, there hey, on, hey, i would love to be a 75 year old man taking medication in the sun to a james taylor gig <laughs> <laughs> i'd probably rather <laughs> more of a cory taylor gig but anyway <laughs> sorry go through the minutes of the meeting
1: right uh he he was very good i mean okay so like it, it, it was a full career retrospective yeah. set so hope so i mean <laughs> i new stuff <laughs> there were kind of you know a few things especially towards the end where you know was he settling
2: like, old scores no but
1: you were like this wouldn't quite make a greatest hits album you know what i mean okay but but because, you know, it was from a certain part of his career which he wanted to nod to or whatever. Yeah. At the same time, then, you know, like, you got the benefit of songs that he's barely touched live for about a decade, like genuine classics um, back in the set. And, yeah, and then obviously just kind of, like, pulled out the,
4: the greatest hits, so to speak, to send everybody home, which was awesome. How do the in-laws enjoy it? Loved it. How did you feel? I mean, that, that's a big social occasion. Now I know you've been touring the country with them for the last two weeks, mm. but like, still, I mean, like, capping it off with a Paul Simon and sojourn during yeah. the summer, I, I think my social anxiety would kick in quite a lot. Oh no, 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 no! no. I was flying at that stage.
1: Natural showman yeah. here. Yeah, yeah they course. loved it, and yeah, I, I was mean- flying. at <laughs> that
4: I, I was in my element well, like. was, yeah <laughs> I, the, the reason is because i this sounds like a nightmare
2: yeah with me. especially without <laughs> like, like nina being there as like yeah, that, to there's no support, buffer yeah like, no what buffer fuck? whatsoever
4: We're grand. fine fair play oh yeah
2: god great crack
4: you're gonna get an amazing present for your wedding which one <laughs> which well, wedding Oh, which wedding? <laughs> let's not start this let's start anyway, the listening yes. guys yeah let's start so the one of the fabulous, greatest no songwriters, listening guys yeah
1: uh, yeah, so before we start I just want to say uh, There's no Garfunkel here It's not that I hate him Yeah, this is th- Now, hold
2: on yeah. yeah, actually, sorry Show your workings Yeah, yeah
1: because ba- I'm
4: We going track by track here?
1: Yes Okay Basically, I just think that You know, Simon and Garfunkel Was absolutely wonderful But in Paul Simon's career It can almost be seen as another story Rather than a chapter in I itself
2: when I, I, when I went into the playlist And I didn't see The Only Living Boy in New York I went, what? Spoilers mm. for the playlist He's well, you, just Garfunkle said song, that they're <laughs> not in here, yeah. Which I think is one of the greatest songs ever written, n- but I'm, yeah, you're it's a fair point. To I, say. I, it's crazy that they pr- officially broke up in 1970. Yeah, I know, it's absolutely <laughs> and I've insane. And have just been bickering and doing yeah, occasional quick, shows ever since. Quick
4: capsule, two sentence summation here. What was the what, what, what was the big problem with those two boys for anyone who might not know? Oh, well, they just kind of drifted apart,
1: basically. I
2: think they both resented, resented each other's talents as opposed yeah. to. Paul Simon was just like oh Art Garfunkel's just got a great voice and he doesn't have to do anything (laughs) and Art Garfunkel's like Write me more songs, man. Yeah, and or, or indeed
1: anybody can write songs, right? <laughs> yeah, which is why his career went so well. Two when he very, <laughs> two very
2: different personalities, but like the fact that they. But like
1: you know what the Only Living Boy in New York is about?
2: Oh, it's the most passive-aggressive, most beautiful song of all time. Yeah, it's about Art going off to film something yeah, down in Mexico. They, they
1: were both meant to be in the film, and Paul got dumped. For yeah,
2: them. so it's basically like I'm sitting here just writing bloody songs for you, mate.
1: Yeah. So anyway, no Garfunkel So <laughs> we're starting gorgeous. basically uh, just after they broke up Yes. Uh, Paul Simon's first album After that, a self-titled one And uh, this is from it It's called Me and Julio Down by the Schoolyard Papa said, oh if I get
3: that boy I'm gonna stick him in the house of detention Well I'm on my way I don't know where I'm going I'm on my way I'm taking my time, but I don't know where Good bad the, the queen of corona See me in Julio down by the schoolyard See me in Julio down
4: by the schoolyard Right, so do we talk about the bad grammar first? Let's talk about how I associate this with the Royal Tenenbaums by uh, Wes Anderson. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's played in that movie.
1: Would you call it a three out of five film, Dave, or did you actually like this
2: one? Uh,
4: I mean, as Anderson it's, films don't age well... no Batman
2: Begins. It's no Batman Begins. <laughs> it's no
4: Batman Begins. Okay. Uh, but it's definitely better than The Dark Knight Rises. So I think we can agree. And that's all I have to say with The Royal Tenenbaums. Good.
1: He, uh, he released this album two years after um, the breakup of Simon Garfunkel. And he'd spent the two years, well, in part teaching songwriting uh, at, at a university. No better man. And the rest of the time... <laughs> the, the, the rest of the time he just spent travelling around the States, pretty much, and... The best way that I can describe it is just kind of like poking and prodding sort of different styles of music and different yeah. genres and different, you know, kind of like schools of musicians just to see if there was anything he could possibly use, which is why here you can hear like these kind of like Caribbean Island sounds and like samba beats and all the rest of it, because he suddenly just seemed liberated after Simon and Garfunkel. That's why I think it can be viewed as something completely different, because uh, you know, without Garfunkel for better or worse, he was just like, Oh shit, everything's changed now. Yeah. And yeah, it sort of set him on this path where yeah, he was just experimenting with just about everything he came across. And this song, um, I mean it's fun, it it's obviously it's about his childhood, or at least inspired by his childhood growing up in Queens. And uh we still don't know what Mama saw, which I do enjoy.
2: Yeah, it's one of those it's like uh, You're So Vain or something where it's just like half the fun of his like just for decades people were like what is this kind of crime thing that's happened blah blah yeah. blah um, but yeah, definitely when he kind of left uh, Garfunkel behind he got a huge injection of like rhythm and stuff
1: That's it, you see because he'd been writing for The Voice the whole time Yeah. I think, you know not to suggest that he used it as a crutch but certainly when it was gone it was just like oh, there's a lot of space here that's going to have to be filled with something and so rhythm and instrumentation yeah. and even even, I think, a slightly more direct way with lyrics, because he knew he couldn't inject things with the same sort of emotion that uh, that Garfunkel could. I think it kind of set him on a very different path.
2: Yeah, probably made him up his game a little bit. And mm-hmm. yeah, just, yeah, rhythmically, I love that kind of, just the kind of vaulting rhythm of the guitar. In it. Like, it always reminds me a bit of Joni Mitchell's style when she's really kind of going for it. It's sure. like all their stuff sounds like it's like to soundtrack a road trip or something you're going somewhere with them you're instantly in the story it's brilliant yeah good good selection
1: alrighty here's one of the tracks that I mentioned he kind of uh, dropped out of his live set for a long time but we got to hear it last week it's Kodachrome
3: when I think back on all the crap I learned in high school it's a wonder I can think at all and my life
1: Uh, Yeah, so another song about his youth, which is kind of interesting because he's barely turned 30, yet he, like, rivals Wistful Dave in terms of, like,
4: (laughs) stone-cold nostalgia all the time. (laughs) Hang on a second. It's it's extraordinary. Nobody rivals
2: Wistful Dave. (laughs)
1: Nobody rivals Wistful Dave.
4: Nobody beats Wistful Dave in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, but...
2: um, it's like I, didn't didn't Lennon write in my life when he was twenty yeah, three? I mean, yeah, Lennon was a, a
4: fucking d- pretentious dickhead. So and an amazing. That's song right. Come driver. at me, Beatles fans. <laughs> and an amazing
2: song. And driver. Henry Dave. <laughs> yeah,
1: but like, so this one opens with one of the great opening lines. Yeah, I feel fantastic. like. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's taken from "Here Comes Ryman Simon," which is also a fantastic album title. And, like, it was, it was kind of a classic American album in some ways, but it still had, like, a lot of gospel influences and traditional jazz. And so, again, just really kind of reflected that all-encompassing approach that he was trying to use at that time. Give me that opening line. Oh, the opening line is, when I think back on all the th- crap I learned in high school, it's a wonder I can think at all. That's worthy of the whole steady, that <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe there's a reason why I do like them. I, I. By the way, I've written something on stuff.org well. kind of running alongside don't this. Bring in. Don't bring him. <laughs> we don't talk about. Sorry, um, yeah, you, you, yeah, you've done a post for head stuff. Yeah, just it's just about this listening guide in you know slightly more depth and more to the point, I suppose, like my fandom of Paul Simon, but. Um, as I as I mentioned there, you know, he really did look destined to be a sort of a great American songbook style writer. Yeah, this
2: is like Roy Orbison or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's extraordinary, especially
4: especially <laughs> when what? you look at what he was writing in the late sixties. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about the Roy Orbison hologram again.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, it continues to haunt my oh, dreams. Did he come out and join Paul Simon? In any way? <laughs> he, <the most laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, done. my old
4: friend, <laughs> well, he, 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 <laughs> coming up through the stage. <laughs> Hmm.
2: The Roy Orbison
4: hologram. <laughs> he
1: he might have it. It was just too sunny to see.
4: Um, <laughs> oh yeah,
2: that's the problem with holograms. Yeah, <laughs> the only problem with holograms. Why they'll never win the they hologram war. They only work war, in
4: arena-sized yeah. venues under cover of darkness. Anyway. Uh, anyway, number three
1: is a song that is so infuriatingly simple. You feel as though every songwriter in the world was thinking, "Why did I not do that?" It's fifty ways to leave your lover. But I'll
3: repeat myself at the risk of being crude. There must be. 50 ways to leave your lover. 50 ways to leave your lover. You just slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, stand You don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Or hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key, leave.
1: Well, <laughs> he wrote this entire chorus while playing like a game with his son, mm. just like doing silly rhymes. And then he slotted it into a song that he would just kind of like sketched out at home using a drum machine. Yeah, And that's why it's quite so simple, I suppose.
2: But it's I, I love those super, drums on it. Oh, so Steve good, Steve God, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it is. Just the opening drum. You're a drummer, Dave. What did you think of the drums? <laughs>
4: I'm a I'm a lapsed drummer. Oh, okay. I haven't played drums in a few years, <laughs> and I really miss it. So thank you for bringing Wistful Dave into the conversation. Oh, <laughs> Once Dave. again, yeah. I mean, come on. It's a tried and tested. Iconic signature run of drums. I mean, like, what do you want me to say? You want me to, like, g- come at a really good drum beat? That's. No, I've I mean, already fucking slammed I the beat. Like okay? <laughs> no, I do like it. Yeah. I Yeah. Mean, it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. But it's just, you know, again, like, like drumming is
2: a very. I thought you might have some insight. My fucking like- drums
4: were stolen from a strip club, okay? And I'm still not over it. Sorry, what? Yeah, this is a true story. Yeah. What? Yeah, hold you know on. What? Take a back seat, Paul Simon. I've got this. I've got. <laughs> I've the never mic- heard this. I've got the mic. Yeah, I left my drums in a disused strip club in Drodha. Ah, for a disused. Dis-use. For how many years? Like three. After I <laughs> three. moved to Dublin, and my mates eventually went back. There's there still a smell of body oil. There and was liver. still a fucking pole on the bar. Sure. Which yes, I may in fact have like. Everybody you know, does what like, you do. Yeah. yeah, no, it was a uh, strange space, and I. Stupidly, stubbornly, just was like, oh, like I never go back home anymore. So I was like, oh, I'll get them again. I'll get them again. I'll get them again. And then eventually I was like, they're probably gone. And then my mates went in there, and I was like, can you just check? So yeah, my drum kit, which I loved, um, I spent a lot of money on, like all the other stuff. So kit's gone, pedal, Jeez. my signature Slipknot Joey and snare drum, Ugh. my cymbals, my cymbal stands. You did leave it in a disused with oh, a no, 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 no. I, c- I can't be too mad. It's my fault <laughs> we'll have to take
1: responsibility for this. If one. anything,
4: it's it's more my fault than the thieves who <laughs> have helped themselves to my drum kit, but. Yeah, that's why I kind of froze there, Craig, because I'm not over it, okay? Okay. It, th- right.
2: but that story does sound like it could form the basis of a Paul Simon song. <laughs> yeah, it does.
4: 50 ways to leave your drum kit <laughs> in a strip club. That's one of them. I think that'd be, Parentheses like, number, I think that'd be
1: is- like around number 49 or something. It has to be low on the list. Um, next up is uh, one of those duds in the career, um, album-wise at least, but uh, a gem within it. It's called Late in the Evening.
3: And when I come back I my and
1: I yeah, so One Trick Pony was actually a film that Paul Simon starred in. Mm. Uh, it was terrible. Um, what was the plot? I don't, know, I don't even know, to be perfectly you honest. You can't call it terrible, it Universally Bad. panned. Yeah, critically. it was absolutely destroyed. He like.
2: was good in... It was Annie Hall, wasn't it? Yeah. So he was, yeah. He kind of out-creeped Woody on.
5: That's,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's no mean feat. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, basically it
1: went so badly, it was the catalyst for the Simon and Garfunkel reunion in 1981 that he kind of needed to win the public back on his side. Yeah. Um Because the album didn't do well either, but this song is it's fantastic it's been in the live sets ever since really and that brass section
2: it's all about I mean, those horns it just man just
1: really lifts yeah. the whole thing like and you can hear the roots are in blues but you know there's a lot more to it than that I guess
2: yeah I think he based like it based it on Mystery Train or something like that and yeah it has a it's very simple and stripped back it's kind of like deconstructed funk or so, uh, something and then yeah it's just it's once the brass kicks in you're you're away
1: And then, of course, uh, after that Simon and Garfunkel reunion, after another flop of an album, we get to his masterpiece, uh, the title track of which is here at number five. It's Graceland.
3: The Mississippi Delta was shining like a national guitar. I am following the river down the highway through the cradle of the Civil War.
1: The hardest thing about doing this listening guide obviously was not to just put all of Graceland in here. I've tried yeah. to show restraint. Um Boy in the Bubble, mate. But it's an absolutely extraordinary album. It opens with Boy in the Bubble, as Craig says. But no, for me, this song is perhaps where the american and the south african influence marry yeah best yeah, i think definitely. that you know at other points of the album either they're actually used intentionally antagonistically to go kind of against each other or you know he leans further in one direction than another whereas here i think they yeah they just meet perfectly and i mean we could go for hours on the album itself
4: Well, what I would ask is, uh, with the assistant guides, I mean, we try, if possible, to also lend them to not just fans, but newcomers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be fair, I'm not the biggest Paul Simon guy in in terms of sheer ignorance, hence me um, confusing the earlier song, not realising it was by the two lads, despite the fact that your narrative was in that Mm. vein. But I'm not too proud. Like, I'll admit that. I'm not going to ask Eve. Good man. I'm not going to ask Eve to edit that out. (laughs) It can stay in. Good job. I'll expose myself. Okay, it's fine. But my question is, because Graceland's often cited, as you say. Mm-hmm. If you've never heard Paul Simon before, is it an album to go to or is it too, given what you just said about, you know, like, it's the it's the, the marriage of it all. Is it too tough for a newcomer? Oh, no, or a newcomer no. Very, just go, accessible,
2: Fuck it, I'm in. very no, accessible. It's
1: so accessible. No, the marriage is with the South African vibe here. You went to South Africa, during the middle of a cultural boycott for that matter
2: imagine he did that now like or imagine you know the equivalent star that I'm yeah, just doing no, it now it's, it, just like it,
1: it, it's absolutely insane problematic Steve Van Zandt <laughs> had to talk the ANC out of killing him or something like that it yeah. was absolutely crazy don't skirt that. over
4: that what's the story
1: there uh, so basically I mean yeah there was a UN cultural boycott of South Africa and Paul Simon went against it um,
2: didn't quincy jones tell him like it's fine man just go yeah yeah he talk- <laughs> like, thanks quincy See, ya. <laughs> he talk- uh, 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 apparently he was, of course he, like asked the great, all his black yeah, friends the great like, constant
4: yeah.
1: quincy jones well, before he'd even got to quincy jones it was lauren michaels who was like the patron saint of this record the producer of snl yeah that's an interesting because story. he's tried to start uh, another show it flopped after like two months mm-hmm. and so he was stuck with this band leader who he'd taken from SNL, who now was out of a job. And he said, well, look, I'll tell you what, go down to my friend Paul Simon. His <laughs> office is just in the same building. And she played Paul Simon this tape that she'd found somewhere of South African jive music. And he was just like, right, let's get on a plane, basically. And he went off, not a single note written, um, proper, just like guitar in one hand, suitcase in the other, and just hoping to... Find some people in Soweto that could help them and not
4: get killed.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, like when they went back on SNL, um, as luck would have it, he was performing with Lady Smith Black Mambazo uh, on the show. The record company decided to push the release of the album back by a couple of months, and he was like, "Oh fucker, we've got time now. Let's get into the studio and record the next song, which is Diamonds on the Soles of Your Shoes." And I can say. No pun intended. This song just sparkles for me, like from the intro. I think you intended that pun. No no, 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 I mean like <laughs> that 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 acapella intro. We have a challenge, pun <laughs> challenge. The like the outro refrain yeah. Yeah. when the choir kicks back in and it's beautiful like even the mental image it conjures up i don't know oh
2: the imagery is fantastic yeah lyrically he's like knocking it out of the park I mean, this is a good example of what you were saying where it's that real juxtaposition of styles and cultures yeah. and things but it just works so magnificently because the writing is so good and the musicians he's surrounded himself with are just really really great
1: throughout this album to be fair the, the detail in, in in his writing is extraordinary um you know, to mention Graceland a few minutes ago and last week, Carlo and I were discussing uh, that lyric of, "Do um, you think I didn't notice how she brushed her hair from her forehead. Oh, yeah. She, come, she comes how,
2: back to tell me that she's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah referring somewhere. to
1: how like divorce was imminent at that moment. Yeah, because, so you know, it's, it's one of those details that you only pick up after years of marriage to Carrie Fisher, actually, the only, yeah. the only man who was married to Carrie Fisher in her lifetime. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah that's all I have put in from Graceland here but yeah if you are coming to Paul Simon and you that is the album you have to go for and if I had to pick a number two it would probably be the album that followed Rhythm of the Saints and this is from that it's called The Obvious Child Well
3: I'm accustomed to the school Oh maybe I'm a dog who's lost in spite. I don't expect to be treated like a fool no more I don't expect to sleep through the night, so people say lies, 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 but I say why, why deny the obvious child, why deny the obvious child, and I remember
1: when the roadside... So yes, yeah, so following up an absolute masterpiece, I suppose the first rule is don't do the same thing again, and he just switched continents, basically, he went to Brazil,
4: and... Brought in a lot of that cultural
2: app. appropriation, you say. <laughs> well, see, this is the thing. I mean, <laughs> we're
4: funny about uh, a very problematic person in the music industry, and I'm glad that you've uh, done this expose, <laughs> this, expose, this yeah. investigative journalism. Uh, it's about time that we brought this guy bang to rights. And then Paul he got Simon? Into samba. <laughs> yeah, you'll be hearing from our lawyers. It
1: was kind of bizarre because I mean, like Craig, a few weeks ago, you semi facetiously, although. I've oh, no, never half, 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 half not as well though you yeah. said like you kind of invented world music Paul yeah, yeah, did and it's like yeah it's not a million miles off to be honest yeah he um, definitely
2: kind of spearheaded that movement of very wealthy white American musicians or British kind of heading off and yeah just <laughs> seeing what they could find but just having those resources actually roads. That, but joking is like having the resources <laughs> to be like do you know what I'm actually going to follow my muse or hang out with kind of local musicians yeah. and stuff which no one else would get the chance to do
1: and again it's just the rhythm because like the album opens with this and it opens with drums and it just sets a tone Um, and again it's also the real sweet spot between his I suppose more traditional influence and you know what he's picking up around, him, the sort of like yeah. more exotic ideas, I suppose, that he's picking up on his
2: travels, especially.
4: So is Damon Albarn a modern, a modern day, a modern day analogue for Paul Simon? It's not
2: the worst shout. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a actually good, not yeah. not
4: a bad shout at all. To be perfectly honest, um, thanks, man.
2: Although, See ya. Although, although,
1: although, although the one thing I will say is that <laughs> Paul Simon, <Dave. laughs> he's gone. Paul Simon nearly always maintained, like, like you could hear his folk classic songwriting roots yeah. in almost everything he did and well I think he
2: kind of he went he kind of totally avoided the protest elements of the folk and kind oh, of American folk yeah, that no, went, he, and he went down the kind of more rootsy stuff where all his stuff went back to oh this is just me talking about different anecdotes in my life well, and around, a, around a, a campfire and that ties in with all this kind of yeah you know, and
1: a sort of like a British finger-picking guitar style. Yeah, so you kind
2: of slotted in seamlessly, yeah.
1: Yeah, Um, another one from Rhythm of the Saints. Uh, This is Born at the Right Time.
3: Down among the reeds and rushes A baby boy was found His eyes as few centuries
1: I I always find it funny listening to some of these albums that the guy who was, you know, so nostalgic and really wanted his childhood back when he was 30 uh, is now like so incredibly optimistic at 50, you know, that, like, there's no bad time to be born. See, don't worry, Greg. The, world, the world is thriving. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Yeah, maybe, maybe 19 was not your peak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah there, there, there's an optimism, too, about it that's excellent. And, I mean, like, the harmonies are beautiful, but once again, it's, it's just a propulsive sort of percussion here.
2: It's kind um, of one of his few songs that doesn't have some... Bit of irony, or mm. or if it is there, it's so well buried that I can't see it because it just seems really kind of pure-hearted yeah, and innocent. No, no, no. There is an yeah. earnestness
1: to it, yeah. yeah. And it's interestingly, nice. I think that's something that he probably did embrace uh, later in his career, perhaps and yeah. never more so than uh, with this song, which is surely the most s- <laughs> sad thing he's ever written. Yeah. Which is, can I forgive him?
3: My Asks me to pray for the murderer's soul. But I think you'd have to be Jesus on the cross to open your heart out to such a loss.
1: So, this was from a musical. Uh, called the cape man and apparently it made spider-man turn off the dark seem like a success yeah it was a legitimate disaster in every sense and that's unfortunate because like like it clearly just wasn't suited to the stage it was too complex a plot um there were accusations at the time that maybe you know, for a largely white theater-going audience in New York, it didn't exactly tick the right boxes. Anyway,
2: it was no Batman Begins. I mean, <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, it wasn't even a three out of five no. musical. I'm glad that we finally like committed to the cultural touchstone that is 2005's overplotted, overlong Batman Begins. <laughs> <laughs> great ending, though. The great, the ending of that film is like the perfect encapsulation of Batman. It's all you need. That bit when he goes, uh, "I never said thank you, and you'll never have to." Yeah. And then that fucking awesome music. It's great. But as for Paul Simon. Yeah, the, this is heavy
2: going. Like, you oh, wouldn't. Really see, like, this is a, one of those which I admire more than I will stick on. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. I'm, no, no, no. Know, and I've just, pottering I've about t- the house.
1: I've, yeah, I've thrown it in here, to be perfectly honest, just to kind of, you know, give props to. Uh, project that would otherwise be almost completely overlooked. Mm. And as well, I think just to show that, you know, he can do it. Yeah, I don't yeah. think these are muscles that he flexes very often. Do you often.
4: think that he's totally overlooked in that regard though? I mean do you feel that you because know, like the, I think the general go to Paul Simon is like, ah, so I'm going to Yeah, of course. yes yeah. so, I mean like uh, do you think he wasn't taken seriously in that regard? No, I think no, he's no, always I mean, been no, no, seen no, no, no. as a serious I think, I think dude. he was taken
1: seriously. And you see but that's one of the beautiful things though is that you know because he was like at times obsessed with kind of like rhythm and percussion and stuff like that. There was probably always a beat that would like distract people somewhat, I suppose. But his music really stands up to kind of digging through the layers, you know, even, even the songs that people kind of write off, like, you know, call me Al, for instance, people think, Oh, you know, fucking Chevy chase lip syncing and so on. But like some of those lines are absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, you know the, the guy can write and the guy can do kind of like empathy and sympathy and so on and so forth like very few others uh, like he did, does in that song and finally uh, I finished with an album from 2011 uh, from his album So Beautiful or So What which was kind of a return to form I suppose after what had been a barren few years uh, this one's called The Afterlife
3: After you climb up the ladder of time the Lord God is new. Face to face in the vastness of space, your words disappear. And you feel like you're swimming in an ocean of love, and my current is strong. But all that remains when you try to explain is a fragment of song. Lord, is it me, Papa Lula? Oh, Papa Do?
1: And Craig, you mentioned the kind of irony and humour and yeah. so on and so forth, and well, here it is in, in just in spades like yeah uh, this com- is
2: almost like randy newman i'd say dave loved it <laughs> yeah
1: like kind of comparing heaven to the dmv and yeah it's ch- chatting up a woman with how long have you been dead it's good it's um, so good yeah it, it,
2: um, it, it, it's great just from a technical standpoint, the writing is like every syllable just flows so perfectly. Yeah. The internal rhymes and it's just yeah great. And it has the the music itself feels like it's kind of shimmering. It's like this mirage. You can feel like the heat of the place or whatever. Yeah, much so more. I, I mean, I, I d- always I imagine d- heaven was like kind of air conditioned, but whatever.
1: <laughs> As he's got older, you know, everything <laughs> everything has head. that slightly. My head, more, yeah. Everything has that slightly more lived-in feel. I think. Yeah, and um, yeah, this, that's a song that um sums it up pretty well. So yeah.
4: Thank you, Cullum. Craig, a- Craig Heaven is an Air Conditioner sounds like a fucking Aerosmith <laughs> song. <laughs> it should be. Does it? Uh, fine listening guide, Cullum. Thanks, brother. And uh, Thanks, to, to reiterate, Cullen has a write-up of this post on Headstuff.org and we will put the Spotify playlist out on the No Encore Twitter account at No Encore Show and on my own Twitter account at Dave. If you would like to go through Cullum's ten track selection Uh, You can't at him on Twitter because he just won't reply. Probably true. So if you're annoyed with him, deal with it. Mm -hmm. We're going to deal with five more contemporary tracks Mm -hmm. in that they've come out in the last seven days. Uh, Let's take a number from the listening guide man himself, Cole Morrigan. Number three Animal Collective, they're back with Haircutter.
3: For
5: a a and
4: the I've kind of had the opinion about Animal Collective that post, post, uh, post, post,
5: uh, Mary Mary- Ratter, Ratter, post, Pavilion. Pavilion
4: post Weather post-Pavilion, there's not a lot here anymore. They kind of peaked with that record, even though Strawberry Jam might be their better album. Ultimately, it's been a lot of meandering nonsense ever since, yeah. and this is no exception. I kind of like the way it just stops dead, but that also makes you kind of go, well, I mean, like, what Like what happened? He pulled the plug? And uh, how much was I enjoying it that I've, I'm that glad it's over I'm going to be that guy again. It's a headphones track. Well, if sure, they just okay.
2: put out, like, a kind of... Interlude or transition That's or. That's what it sounds like. As you a know what single? I mean? Like, yeah. sure, it feels like okay. I need some context here.
1: Well, apparently we'll have it on a on like a visual album that comes with this.
2: Oh, they did that before, didn't they? And just no one watched or listened. Well, so yeah, they're working with. Uh Coral Morphologic.
5: Yeah. Art and science duo
1: of a marine biologist and a musician. Is there a creatrix um, in there by any chance? I don't, well, not by title anyway, head of better. Um, oh my God. Yeah, the album's called Tangerine Reef. Um, it's the international year of the reef, if you didn't know. I do know. That's that's why Craig has been dressed as Australia's northeastern coast since January. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to be the dude who's like, it's grand if you're into that sort of thing, but it is just kind of like a psychedelic soundscape. And yeah, I mean, you know, if, it, it, maybe there's technical aspects of it that you can enjoy, but is there, it's not doing a lot. I kinda,
2: yeah, it's atmospheric. They're going in a certain direction. I don't know if they yeah. peaked, but they certainly kind of perfected over those two albums a kind of experimental pop that you could get on board with yeah, but it and had, had songs like that's what i'm saying like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they've gone and they've gone in this very kind of willfully um obscure direction and it's i'm intrigued if the whole album is our vis- visual audio extravagant <laughs> what is it yeah. um yeah i don't know if it's all like this then I'm not that interested. But this could lead into something amazing. This so, takes me back know. to
4: that gig I went to where I almost fell asleep standing up. Play something with a beat indeed. Craig, give me a number.
2: Number five, please, Dave.
4: It's Nora Jones, speaking of falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's It Was You by Nora Jones. And I must say, Craig, I didn't have enough time to really kind of... Craig, picked the songs this week, everyone. Yeah. Uh, thanks, by the way. <laughs> I didn't really have time to I wanted...
2: Of, we actually, we should say at this juncture, I wanted desperately to pick the new song from Razor Light. I know! it's not available in Ireland yet. No. So next week, yeah, we and shall we, discuss... And we decided uh,
4: not to go with four songs by Chance the Rapper. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, there was a Sigrid song in there, but I bumped it. I went with Craig's Famous Five. One of which was Nora Jones, and I was like, "Oh my god, a Nora Jones song! Fucking hell!" And you know what? It's not bad. She nails it. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. She's good. No, she always has But but there's just a there's a synamulist thing going on. Yeah, but you know what? This. But did you hear the previous single?
1: This? No, I haven't. It's extraordinary. Right. The I'm pretty to think she's been is, good
2: all along, maybe, and the, I just haven't listened to any of it. The,
1: no, the previous single is this kind of spacey, abstract sort of a thing. Like it's uh, it's unlike anything I've ever heard from her before, sure. and it's really good. Now it's not like this; it, it's a very different song in and of itself. But like this, yeah, it's grand. I mean, she is very good. She's got an amazing voice, and she obviously has the musical shops. Um, you know, she has the pedigree, as we all know. Um, there is definitely a level of like. You know, it's music for your mom. Like, it's just you know, if what? you if you missed if you missed the Michael Bublé gig two weeks ago and you needed to make it up to her, you would buy the Nora Jones album. So we've Tesco been or we've something. been agedist now. We're being I should m- defend my
2: mother, who has amazing taste and motherist. does not like Michael Bublé. <laughs> uh.
1: Yeah, but but you know, but no, but you know what I mean. As in, like, it's a bit dinner party music or whatever.
2: Yeah. I don't get invited To that many dinner parties To be honest It's coming If I went to a dinner party And this came on I'd be like Fucking party started it. mate Yeah, yeah it Beats Dido's voice flag For the one. time <laughs> Oh most time. certainly Yeah yeah Stick
4: on that Shade mega mix would Oh you? shade And get the crisps out
2: um, I like Yeah I, You can yeah, this is a good song you Go can on, give, me an, a, give me a number me a number. Uh, number one
4: Rock and roll is dead It's suede <laughs> way back to tell us the rock and roll apparently is not dead. Because there's a prominent guitar in this. Yeah. And I gotta say... It's oh, fucking great. I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, yeah? I thought it Brilliant. was... It's a massive, massive, massive throwback, but in a, in a way that I enjoyed. It kind of th- sounds like garbage. A little bit. Uh, it sounded like the kind of song I'd be into when I was buying compact discs with my pocket money.
1: I mean, I, I tend to agree with you on that, but I'm not sure I necessarily think
4: of that as being a good thing.
1: Oh, like,
2: no, I the, think this is great.
1: There's a hum of pub
4: rock off this, I What? Think. Yeah. That's unfair. It's not fucking Inside by Stiltskin. There's a deep cut for you, listener.
2: I, I think the guitar, and they are now butlerless um, is very good and elevates it way beyond that, as does... Um, Red Anderson's just Songwriting Chops I thought was really good. I like the kind of falsetto on the chorus. And the last single, The Invisibles, is more kind of sweeping and orchestral. Um, so it should be a nice mix. They've been great, right. though, since they got back together. Yeah. The last two albums were really, really strong. And they're talking about on this one going back to doing what Sway Do Best is just kind of like doing dirty kind of dark side stuff. I should note, like it's called. This,
4: Don't be afraid of nobody loves you, which so, is great. I yeah. love the
2: sentiment. It's a great line. It's just cool. It's great like line, it's the it's, sinister side of suede, which I love.
4: Yeah, it's one of. The, I found myself thinking about it. I was like, "Oh, that's a really kind of powerful message." Yeah. And then I was like, "Tough to live, though." <laughs> yeah, not a problem uh, that you have anymore. But it's
2: good but. in rock for the, the duration of the rock song. It's a good sentiment.
1: Album is out in September, and they will be rocking the uh, traditional. Uh, rock and roll <laughs> haunt of the Boardgat Energy Theater. Oh, oh my God. so uh, I like it because yeah, I'm going to damage see them. the stage before the like. Well, lads.
4: I like it because I believe in it. I think they have conviction here, and yeah, that's that's the difference. It has all the hallmark throwback sounds, but they sound like they're into it. So yeah, they amazing. are. I, I will, I
1: will say that back. because you know what? After about thirty seconds, I started to feel. Oh, is this going to do that Manic Street Preachers thing where it's trying to crowbar emotion into songs? How
4: that would you define that? Though? I mean, like, like, what is the fucking magic there? Like, how come, for example, the Manics it doesn't work? It sounds I, I, and on this it does. Is wait, it? Wait.
1: Is it just authenticity? What's I the don't, alchemy I, of this? Yeah, I don't know. I I think part of it as well is just that, like. Well, again, yeah, To be fair, like I didn't necessarily like the song all that much, so maybe Craig should defend it I think
4: more. The guy has someone to say that he wants to say. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It's and,
2: vibrant. It's and I also think the fact that I mean, like the Manics, and I, I I thought there was some good stuff on that last album, so I won't kind of slate them in the same way. But I think the Manics have always had a certain level of, they've had a com- a comfort level of having a huge fan base, never splitting up. Um, maintaining that kind of arena-sized fan base and just doing whatever they want. So, of course, a uh, complacency can set in. Suede um, went through a rough patch, releasing really good stuff that got very little attention. Then when they split up, um, they were all individually doing kind of interesting stuff, which was getting them nowhere. And to come back and be so kind of warmly embraced, I think, is really just kind of injected them with like, oh shit, let's not fuck it up this second time and let's go for it. So yeah, I think that there's real fire in their belly.
4: And I guess to cap off our ages and the manics do sound kind of, you know, settling into a nice recliner chair in that new album. Whereas Brett Anderson sounds like he just parachuted him out of the mid nineties here for some reason. Yeah. It's great. Maybe it's the production. I don't know. Up next, Cullum. Two numbers left. Two uh, and four. Oh, uh, four. Mary J. Blige. Oh, oh Mary. Only love. Oh Mary. Only oh, love. The-
6: For your heart, I'll fight All for love, I'll I'll love. you won't know it. Right. Cause I know you're mine. Only love will share Only love can save the day i telling, telling you. you Only love Got me feeling this way he Feeling this way
4: Only love So we go from Don't Be Afraid If Nobody Loves You to a much more emphatic and rousing song that I would never like to hear again. And I like Mary J. Boyd. She's cool, but this sucks. I watched that video of her singing Hillary
1: Clinton a lot this week, uh, prompted by this uh, song being on the list. Um, It's not that. It's a disco song grand if what you want is a disco song from Mary J. Blige I'm so, oh, not particularly it's so plain it's
2: very, yeah it's very like 90s disco this oh, sounds wrong. like it could come out at the same time as the suede song but just in a vastly different genre yeah. do you know what I mean it smacks of like the mid 90s and yeah it's, I mean, I love her voice usually, but this it does nothing for it, or there's nothing really she can wrap herself around. At least you she know
1: she's not going to sing it at Elizabeth Warren or whoever. Runs yeah,
2: like it's big in terms of instrumentation stuff, but with no real tune to warrant it.
4: Yeah, yeah she's class. I mean, I think she played at Glastonbury last year, maybe, and she was just an incredible person to watch on stage like her mannerisms her- she was
2: nominated for an Oscar as well wasn't she? yes Mud-bound. Mud-bound, Mud-bound, yeah, yeah.
4: still haven't gotten around to like she's an all-timer she's a veteran she's got some incredible songs it's just a shame you know you've higher standards for Mary J. Blige yeah. but this is just Mary J. Bilge hey and finally it's time for over here we would pronounce it Kira it's like Kira
2: and we're not going to change now
4: <laughs> <laughs> so here's Kira with Level Up Level Up Level Up Level Up Level Up, level up, level up, level
0: up. Oh this song me so young so yummy, know you want this yummy, yummy all in your time. Then more mistakes are gone. I won't do them no more. That's old news, that's new news. I done did that before. I turn up into something. My comeback on one hundred. let talk it, more action. You just go see see coming. I just keep elevating, no losses, just upgrading. My lessons made blessings. I turned that into money. They gotta never settle. This view is so that is, of
4: course, Sierra. Mm-hmm first heard of her in 2005 when she dropped goodies she got some great songs she got that great song with Ludacris. oh oh yeah and then she's kind of been around i I got the sense she was gonna be massive Mm. and then she was just kind of mid-tier i suppose but always had something about her and this as fucking 2018 pop songs coming out in a bit of a dearth of summer and a level of determination about them is pretty uh like I found it quite irresistible. I found it quite yeah, did the job. Yeah, I think you don't like it. I think you think it reminds you of like work bitch or something.
1: No more. Like is she fucking late for a boss or something? <laughs> what? Why is it? I like I checked it. I never checked these things, but for some reason, <laughs> right, I was sitting there and I was like. It's like I'm not going crazy, right? It's going 153 BPM here. It's
2: fucking great, though, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's that's, that's when she's at her best was, when I you don't have time to desperate. think about what's happening. There's <laughs> hand claps during this bridge, which I thought somebody was fucking taking off in a long jump competition, like that they were coming in on the runway in the crowd. Was I trying hate to speed hand up.
4: claps, and I like this song. That's how good it is. I thought
1: it was intense. Like it's basically a song made out of an Instagram post from a few months ago talking about how women need to stop walking in the girlfriend's spirit, quote unquote. She was quoting some pastor as well. Yeah, so I believe so, yeah. She's got a lot of fucking But no, nah, this, like, yummy all in your tummy, and...
2: <laughs>
5: it's nah, fun. I just, it's
2: based on some Jersey Club song as well. It's DJ right. Telly Tells or something like that. He it's can keep it, Fuck mate. it up or something. Um, and now I, I I think it's uh, her operating in what is her comfort zone, and which is the best place she should be, which is really high energy bone no, not like slow it down a bit nah man. fuck it faster nah. <laughs> uh, i think it's fine it's good the sultry
1: yeah. end of things works for me thank you this was i yeah i thought it was just insane i thought i was gonna back get to chi- Nora jones I, thought I
2: was gonna get chipmunk <laughs> vocals
1: like um yeah anyway
4: that's Nothing wrong with a few chipmunk moguls. Hard huh? to impress. Cole Morgan's been a bit of a theme this year on the podcast. <laughs> what, what what else did you listen to this week though? maybe you, you did enjoy?
1: You it. mentioned Secret, um, who dropped a new track. I think that's now finished her EP, which has come out in like monthly installments. The it's EP been, is officially
4: put together. Yes, yes,
1: five tracks on Raw, um, which is quite good, worth listening to. Whole uh, Steady dropped a pair of tracks this week, and um, the after like the second one,
2: Esther. It's yeah,
1: great. really good, and um, the internet. Dropped a banger as well called La Da, but of course by the time that you hear this, uh, dear listener, uh, the album Hive Mind will be out. We will be running the rule over next week, so there's no no point in talking about the single today. But uh, yeah, a lot of great tracks this week. Even though, as we obviously mentioned, for albums,
4: not so much. I also gave the Sigrid EP a whirl. I'm convinced the songs still aren't quite there. Mm-hmm. If she is, I think she is, but I think she's is- very likable though, and, and it's, she's a great. And it, and it means
1: that like a lot of. Like, not all that inspired pop, I agree. The songs aren't quite there yet, but even when it's kind of cookie-cutter, I think her personality... It does, yeah, but I wonder
4: how long that can... Yeah, you can't ride that ship forever. I know um, Rival podcast, but I suppose friend of the show, uh, Ona Sullivan of The Point of Everything podcast... (laughs) so begrudging. (laughs) uh, ...did note that uh, he thinks Schedules is like her best song to date, and I was like, oh, well, if he says it, it must be true. (laughs) He, He was wrong. Uh, <laughs> as regards what else I've listened Jeez. to, Muse have a terrible new song, which I'd recommend not oh, listening fuck me, to. Me. I haven't had a listen. <laughs> and uh, I've gone back to the Blaze territory. I just found okay. myself watching the video listen to song again, and I was like, I cannot envision a moment in the rest of my days where I will not be completely and utterly mesmerized by that combination of audio and visual. It is, Mick Pope called it the masterpiece of his lifetime. <laughs> It's astonishing, right? It's still astonishing. Now, but the horror is something to remember. Might might still be even better. But seriously, if for whatever reason, listener, you've never heard or seen the Blaze territory, get on to fucking YouTube immediately. It's unreal and surrender to the blaze.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to chances for singles he dropped. He didn't even package it like. I mean, that's long enough to be an album these days, but it's not even an EP or a summer pack. It's. Four separate tracks that aren't even right. Per- like they're not together on Spotify, so you have to go look. It's really, oh, annoying. really annoying. Trent um, Reznor would kill him. There was an is-
4: album was supposed to be coming, and then he was like, "No album this week." No, but here's four, random four songs. songs.
2: Yeah. I might need security. Is very good. I love the sample on it, even though he kind of raps like Drake. The others are pretty good. Maybe a step up from the last record. I don't know if he'll ever get back back to acid rap. So the jury is still a bit out. And I also want to recommend a Japanese song from the 1980s, um, Mariah. And the song is Shinzo no Tobra. Uh, nice. So check that out. I just saw Rich Egan recommending it yesterday, and I stuck it on. And it's fucking amazing, so everyone go listen to it. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers, brother.
4: <laughs> <laughs> this episode yeah. of Encore was engineered by our sonic architect, Eve Murray. Yay! Woo! Mm. Our exit music this week comes from a former guest of the show, A Mac, aka the project of Aoife McCann. Aoife was a guest alongside uh, her, I guess, collaborative... Songwriter uh, Dan, yes. <laughs> is that his name? Yeah. <laughs> I'm very tired. though she very. I thought it was, his name was Dan. He was a great guy. Great here hair for three
2: hours. Yeah, we, well, had we, had a, we had a very long meeting before
4: this episode. <laughs> yeah. I apologize to every member of AMA because it's a sprawling collective, but it's Eva McCann's baby. She's great, and the song's awesome too. It's called Love Flush. She describes it as a twisted love song. It's about choosing your own ambitions over a true love, pushing that someone away to embrace this higher vision you have of yourself, even though it's what made you happy. And she concludes by saying, "Ego is a bitch." So it's been a bit of a love episode, somehow, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm feeling the love in a, in a bit of a strange way. My name is David William Hanretty. This has been the One Core. There will be No an One Core, and here's A e. Mac with Love Flush. And this one goes out to Dan from A e. Mac. Congratulations, guys!
2: A.
6: Give is free. I'm all I need. I'll build my home with trees that grow for me. I'm all I need. You see, I'm all I need. I saw the rise to a love flush and I can feel us fading. I saw the night to the right rush and I can feel it. I saw the rise to a love flush and I can see us fading. I saw the night to the can see a sting. I saw the night to the right rush and I can feel a sting. <laughs> many fights but many, many heights. Shake your light to make just chest still tight. One fall I see, one flaw To the right rush, right? and I can feel I saw so the right, right to my right, right. left flash right.
1: chord the next song, which is Diamonds on the Sold of Your Shoes. That worked out well.
4: That was a great link. <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah. It wasn't intentional. Yeah. I, mean, I was literally... I was like,
2: I see where he's going, like, but does was he realise? No, I was,
4: I was literally like, is it, not, it is on the list? This is excellent. This that, was a, that was a phenomenal... That was so seamless. Well done. Thanks. Well done, you. <laughs> Eve, please use that as the outro. Yeah. Um... <laughs>
2: This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
6: Summer vacation, here we come.
1: Yep, I packed the craft beers I got it. Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels.
2: Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well.